excited to be your pastor. So thank you so much for trusting me with this, and I'm excited to continue loving our community in the name of Jesus. It's going to be pretty fun. Well, I'm also really excited to see all your answers on Facebook about what your favorite songs are. Who knows, some of those songs might end up on our Sunday morning services. So please uh, give me your best song suggestions. Now, I listened to a lot of worship songs this year, and so when Spotify gave me a notification that said, we have your 2020 year-end review, discover your top song, I was really pumped. Now, some of you might have gone through this uh, Spotify playlist. Some of you might have found out that Taylor Swift was your top artist of 2020, or some of you might have had classical acoustic music uh, just to relax you during the season. Um, some of you still might have Let It Go from Frozen or You're Welcome by Moana as your top songs of 2020. But my top song of 2020 was uh, a bit disappointing. Uh, to my chagrin, I looked and my top song of 2020 on Spotify was Male Vocal Warm-Ups, The Ooze. Now, if you haven't heard uh, this hit song, here's what, how it goes. Ooh, 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 you get the picture. You can understand why I was just really disappointed that that was my top song of 2020. So I'm hoping for better luck in 2021. Well, I am thrilled and excited to dive into Revelation together. But before we do that, we've done a lot of prayer today, but let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for the opportunity to worship you. Lord, you are holy. You are worthy. A God who angels around your throne, they are worshiping you, and we get to join in that worship. Whether we're in our living rooms, whether we're here at the commons, Jesus. And so it's a privilege to dive into your word. Would you guide us? Would your word speak to us? And Jesus, would my words point? Lord, we commit our time to you. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, well, as I was reflecting on the passage for this week, these worship lyrics came to mind, and let's see if you recognize them. The worship lyrics go, Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, blessings all mine and 10,000 beside. Do you recognize the song? The song goes on to say, Great is thy faithfulness. Now, I was actually really curious about who wrote this tune. I was expecting a famous pastor or musician, or I was at least expecting a really great story, like the one behind it as well. Yet what I found shocked me. The hymn that has touched millions and millions of hearts was written in the 1920s by a simple man named Thomas Chisholm. Now, I cannot stress how simple this man was. I mean, he himself, he described himself as just an old shoe. Have you described yourself as just an old shoe? That's how common this man was. He was a teacher for a while and then actually a pastor for a year, but then had to leave because he got sick. And he spent most of his life as a life insurance agent. Now, as I was reading his story, not much stood out, but what did stand out was his love for the Lord and his love for poetry. And what we now have as great as thy faithfulness happened to be just another poem that he wrote. 
In the daily rhythms of life, Thomas took time to acknowledge who God is and wrote, Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide, strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Thomas seemed like a man who worshipped and in worshipping was able to remind himself of the hope he had in Jesus as he went through his day. So strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Does anyone need this? Anyone need this prayer, this reminder? Maybe you're an exhausted health professional or teacher. Maybe you're a parent navigating working from home and also taking care of your kids. Maybe you're a teenager who's feeling lonely or a kid who just wants to go see their friends. This year seems like one long advent, one long season of waiting where we're all asking the question, where is the strength for today? Where is the hope for tomorrow? Well, God invites us to turn to Scripture for the answer to that question. When we ask, where can we find the strength for today and hope for tomorrow? Our passage this morning in Revelation answers, in Jesus. In Jesus, we find the strength for today and hope for tomorrow. And how do we remind ourselves of this? Well, like Thomas Chisholm, we worship. So we're going to continue our series on Revelation. Our passage this morning is Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 to 17. It's Revelation chapter 7, 9 to 17. If you have a Bible or Bible app, I'd really encourage you to open it and follow along. And if those are hard to access right now, don't worry. The verses will be on the screen. But before we dive in, just a little context. The first century Christians who the letter of Revelation were written to were in need of strength and hope. These Christians were experiencing persecutions, violence, famine, and sickness. They were exhausted. And when you read chapter 6, it doesn't look like things are going to get any better. Chapter 6 talks about this impending judgment, and it references the fact that more people are probably going to die for knowing Christ. In fact, not probably, it says more people are going to die for knowing Christ. If I'm a first century listener, I'm thinking, John, can we go back to chapter 4 and 5, that beautiful picture of the throne room? Why do we have to sit in this bleak picture that chapter 6 paints? But the beauty of Revelation is it doesn't end in chapter 6, but it goes on. And what we find next is one of the clearest pictures of worship and hope that we have in the Bible. There are no strange images, no crazy symbols, just pure, beautiful worship. This vision of worship reminded the first century Christians that they could find strength and hope in Jesus. And it's a great reminder for us today. So let's read Revelation 7, verse 9. It begins, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped, saying, Amen, praise and glory, and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? And I answered, Sir, you know. 
And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear, every tear from their eyes. Well, isn't that a beautiful passage? The passage is divided into three scenes. The first scene reminds us of what God has done. In verse 9, it says, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. Thousands upon thousands of people from every nation, every tribe, people, and language, they are all standing before the throne. Just picture this in your mind. Thousands and thousands, millions and millions of people standing before the throne. This would have been a reminder to the first century Christians of the promise that God had given Abraham all the way back in the Old Testament in Genesis 12, that through Abraham, all nations would be blessed. These churches in Asia see the fulfillment of that promise in this picture of all nations worshiping God along with Israel. And the people worshiping are described as wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. Now, this is actually a familiar image in the New Testament. And if you know what this image reminds us of, you can actually type it in in the Facebook or YouTube chat. I'd love to see if you know what this image reminds us of. Well, let's see if you guessed it. This image of holding palm branches in his hands, this image is a flashback to when Jesus rode in on a donkey to Jerusalem and the people waved palm branches as a reminder that Jesus was the one who could save them. They just didn't know that Jesus would save them from something more powerful than the Roman Empire. Jesus would save them from sin and death. So when we see this picture of white robes and palm branches, we're reminded of Jesus' victory and redemption. The multitude in Revelation affirms this and says, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In the midst of the hardship the first century Christians were facing, John records a revelation that begins by reminding that God is a God who keeps his promises. God is a God who is victorious, and God is a God who has redeemed him. The scene reminds us what God has done. John then moves to the second scene. Moving on from what God has done, the vision of worship reminds the hearers of who God is. After the crowd sings its song, it says in verse 11, All the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders and the four living creatures. These are, these are the angels and elders that are referenced in Revelation 4 and 5. It says they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. These divine beings, these elders and creatures that day and night worship the Lord, continue the song that is sung and sing, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. What I love is these divine beings can't stay standing for long because of how glorious and majestic God is. Their only response is to posture themselves in worship, to bow. And they recount how amazing God is. There are two things in the song that I want to highlight here. First, wisdom belongs to God. Wisdom, all wisdom belongs to God. I feel like during this pandemic, one of the greatest things I've needed is wisdom and discernment. 
Wisdom on how to navigate life. Wisdom in how to love my neighbor best. Wisdom on how to take care of myself. The song of the angels is a reminder that if anyone lacks wisdom, they can turn to God and ask for that wisdom. And God hears them and answers. When God answers, it's a wisdom that brings peace. It's a wisdom that helps us love those around us. And it's a wisdom that helps us fix our eyes on Jesus. Not only does wisdom belong to God, but all strength belongs to God. Here is that strength for today. One commentary that I was reading writes, The problem of life is to find strength for its tasks, responsibilities, and demands. Yet the beauty of following Christ is that we can say, I will go in the strength of the Lord. I will go in the strength of the Lord. When we're at the end of our strength, we can lean into God's strength, a strength that will never fail to keep going. So God is a God of wisdom and power, of strength and glory. God is a God who is worthy of our praise. So we've heard a song about what God has done. We've heard a song about who God is. And now we move to a declaration of what God will do in this third scene. In Revelation, John asked the elder to explain who the multitude is. And the elder explains, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, some scholars think the Great Tribulation represents the entire time of the church's existence and struggle. And so these first century Christians were in the midst of what felt like a Great Tribulation, in the midst of this Great Tribulation. And I believe to these first century Christians, what follows is the most exciting part of this whole vision of worship. This is their hope, and this hope applies to us as well. The elder explains, never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them nor any scorching heat for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. I love this imagery of the shepherd becoming the lamb. That's what we celebrate this Christmas. Jesus coming down as a child, becoming like you and I. Jesus leaving his glory, this throne room where elders and angels and creatures are bowing down day and night and worshiping him leaving all of that to come down to this earth and be worshipped by a teenage mother, her fiancé, and a couple smelly shepherds. Jesus grew to experience what we experience, the joys, the grief, the celebrations, and the fear. And he grew to experience the brokenness, even to the point of death. He's the only one who truly knows us, who can empathize with us. He's the only one who loves us deeper than any other. And this is the one who will be our shepherd and leader. Not some far-off figure, but Emmanuel, God with us. And it goes on to say he will lead those who follow him to a place of abundance, to springs of living water. The picture of hope then ends with one of my favorite verses, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This passage is a call back to the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, Isaiah 25. In fact, most of these promises are Old Testament references, which goes to show that in Jesus, all these promises are fulfilled. But here in Isaiah 25, the prophet Isaiah prophesies, God will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all their faces. Now, I always thought this passage was about God's ability to comfort. And he does comfort those who are mourning, but this passage goes one step further. Not only will God comfort those who are mourning, but God will remove the reasons that cause us to cry. 
God will remove the reasons that cause us to cry. Mill City, we have shed a lot of tears this year. Tears at the face of death, injustice, of isolation and loneliness, of sickness and loss. You can fill in the blank. This verse points to a day that when Jesus returns, that he'll take all those things, the things that cause us to cry, and wipe them out. Death, sin, brokenness, they're gone, gone, gone. This is the hope that Jesus will return and make all the wrong things right, and on that day, God will wipe away all the tears from every face. So in the midst of the hardships the first century Christians were facing, can you imagine how beautiful this vision would have been? A vision proclaiming what God had done, a vision reminding them who God is, and a vision declaring what God will do. This vision points them to the strength and hope that they could have in Jesus in the midst of all the chaos around. And this vision is for us as much as it was for them. In the midst of the hardships, we can remember that Jesus is our strength and hope. And how do we do that? Well, one way we do that is we join the angels in heaven and we worship. What I love about this word worship is that it's a word that reflects posture. The Greek word is proskuneo, and it means to bow or to fall at one's feet. Worship is a whole body experience. It's using our hearts and our minds as our bodies to focus on Jesus. Now, this can happen in a variety of ways. You can do it through practices such as reading scripture or journaling, running, being in community with other people or prayer. One of the ways that I have done it is through music. The thing that has kept me grounded this pandemic has been worshiping through music. So why is worship so important? I want to talk about three things a posture of worship helps us do. First, worship helps us remember. Worship helps us remember what God has done, who God is, and what God will do. We see this in the three scenes of worship in Revelation 7. These songs talk about a God who saved us, a God who is our strength, and wisdom, and a God will one day come back and make all the wrong things right. It's why we sing songs like, Oh, come all ye faithful, Revelation song, joy to the world. They're not just fun tunes. They are reminders of who God is in seasons of waiting. That's why we gather each Sunday morning. We gather to take time during our week to remember what God has done and remember what God will do, and that gives us the strength to keep going. Now, here's my challenge for you, Mill City. One of the things that I love about Mary in, in the story of Christmas is it says that she saw all the things, the shepherds and the wise men and the angels, and what she did was she treasured those things in her heart. Sometimes with worship, I feel like we get so caught up in our minds where we just kind of read the lyrics and we're like, oh, yeah, we understand that. But what I'd encourage you to do is let let what you're singing move from your head and let it connect to your heart. Treasure who God is in your heart. That God is a God who keeps his promises. That God is a God who will come back and make all the wrong things right. God is a God who can give us strength during the season of COVID. Treasure those things in your heart. And I believe when we let worship, we let this reminder of who God is connect our head to our heart, I believe it can give us the courage to keep going. When we feel God's presence, we feel a love, a 
comfort, of a joy. And sometimes it's a presence that just knocks us off our feet. Just like the presence knocked the angels off their feet, all they can do is bow before the throne and worship. So worship helps us remember. And let's remember not only with our minds, but with our hearts. Second, a posture of worship helps us declare who God is, not only to each other, but over the forces of darkness in this world. Worship is a weapon. It's very offensive. Now, I'm someone who deals with fear on a regular basis. And I remember one night, I just felt the fears closing in. Now, I have chosen to respond to fear in a variety of ways in my life. One of those ways was, I remember I had a sleeping bag, and I covered my head with my sleeping bag, bad and a bag, bad bag. I covered my head with a sleeping bag, and no joke, this is what I started to sing. I sang, why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? But this time, I was in my 20s, so I was like, I'm going to respond to these fears in a different way, and so I decided I am going to pray. Now, I don't know about you, but in seasons that are tense, in, in, in tough moments, my ability to create eloquent prayers kind of flies out the window. And so I'm trying to create this prayer. I'm like, what do I say? What do I say? What do I say? And the fears are closing in. And all of a sudden, a worship song popped in my mind. And I sat up and I said, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. And I repeated that again. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Again and again and again. And what I found was that I felt myself calm down. And I felt the fears go away. It's not the way that I pronounce the words, and it's not that I just summoned Jesus and he automatically showed up. In that moment, worship not only reminded my heart who was in control, but worship reminded fear who was the Lord of my life. In Revelation 7, these songs of worship are songs that remind the forces of darkness that while they're doing their thing for now, Jesus is on the throne, and those persevering live in his strength and authority. When I posture my heart in worship, I remember that I go in Jesus' strength and authority. Imagine living in that posture as we go through life, as we face the brokenness all around. It's a strength and authority that tells us even though we encounter hardships, and we will encounter hardships, it tells us that we can walk knowing that the God who is with us is greater than the forces at work in this world. How would that strength and authority change the way that you go to work? Change the way that you love your neighbors. Change the ways that you fight for justice and mercy. So worship is a reminder. Worship is a declaration. And lastly, worship is a witness. So proposing to my fiance, oh, spoiler alert, I proposed. That was really awesome three months ago. Uh, it was great. So as I was proposing to my fiance, Anna, which was so fun, one thing that I didn't realize was how many emotions were running through my mind and heart at the same time. I was so nervous, yet I knew I wanted to marry this girl. So when the time came, I got down on a knee, and I looked her in the eye, and I said, Anna, will you marry me? And luckily, she said yes. And the picture that you'll see on the screen is a picture that we shared online to all our friends and family. Now, what I love about this picture is that if, you, if a random person saw it, they might not know who Anna or I are, but they'll know who I'm in love with, and they'll know what I'm asking. Because of my posture, because I'm kneeling, they'll know who I'm in love with. And I believe that's what worship helps us do. 
when our lives are bowed in worship before the throne, when our eyes are fixed above, following Christ and living for the sake of others, I believe the world takes notice. They may not know who you are, but they'll know who you love. They are pointed to a God who gives strength for today and an everlasting hope, a God who loves them beyond what they could possibly imagine. And isn't that what the world needs this Christmas? So strength for today, right hope for tomorrow. Revelation 7 shows us that Jesus is our strength and hope. How do we remember this? We worship. So can I offer you one practice as you head into the week? We're going to sing a song that I mentioned earlier. It's a so- it's Revelation song, and it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Now, here's my challenge for you this week. Because when we posture our lives, we remember who God is, we declare who he is to the world, and we can also be a witness to those around us. Here's what I'd love you to do. This week, every day, before you begin anything, would you get down on your knees, posturing yourself? And if you can't get down on your knees, would you hold your hands out in front of you? And would you just pray these lyrics? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Begin your day with that declaration and let it be a reminder that we have a God who keeps his promises, a God who is with us and gives us the strength, and a God who has given us the hope that one day he will return and make all the wrong things right. Do that each day and watch the way that God shapes you. And then if you do that every day, uh, text me, email me. I'd love to hear your story of how this experience went. But Mill City, we serve a God of hope and strength. A God who angels are bowing down to and worshiping and we get to join them in that worship. And as we live lives that are postured before the throne, I believe the world takes note. And they are pointed to a God who loves them beyond any other. And isn't that what the world needs right now? So Jesus is our hope and our strength. How do we do that? We worship. Mill City, would you pray with me? Father in heaven, you are holy, holy, holy. You are the one who was and is and is to come. And Jesus, we are so grateful for the opportunity to worship you. Lord, we are so grateful that you give us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Jesus, would we live lives that reflect your goodness, your love, and your presence to the world around this Christmas. It is so, so tough, Lord. The season is not what it should be. But Jesus, thank you that you're a leader. Thank you that you are the God who comforts and that you will one day wipe away every tear from every eye. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would empower Mill City Church. We love you. In your name I pray.